Mark chapter 4, 10 through 13, in the Common English Bible. When they were alone, the people around Jesus, along with the 12, asked him about the parables. He said to them, the secret of God's kingdom has been given to you, but to those who are outside, everything comes in parables. This is so that they can look and see, but have no insight, and they can hear, but not understand. Otherwise, they might turn their lives around and be forgiven. Don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? The Word of God. You may be seated. Have you ever been frustrated by a teacher? Now, <laughs> you, you cannot have been a student for very long before this has happened to you, and you probably can think of a story or two or three uh, about being frustrated by a teacher. Well, when I was in high school, my language arts teacher frustrated me. We were freshmen, my friend and I, and we would sit in his class and we would, we would roll back on our chairs, tip our chairs back, because we were so frustrated and disengaged because he told story after story about things that had nothing to do with the language we were learning. He would go on tirades about this and that and his frustrations and, and we were getting frustrated and feeling like, well, how is this gonna help us learn the language? How is this gonna help us on the test? Uh, what, what do we need to know? Just tell us what we need to know. So I have to tell you though, um, that I ended up traveling with this language arts professor to Europe as part of this program that was amazing and incredible, and I cannot thank him enough for all that he did for us as students. And there is one lesson that will always stick with me, and that is he had all of us pack our bags about a week before the trip, and we had to all come to the academy, and we had to walk a mile carrying our bags. He said, if you can walk a mile carrying your bag, you can take it to Europe. Here in Mark chapter four, for the first time, we see Jesus as a teacher. Mark chapter four, of course, we've seen him asking questions, with teacher, which teachers do. Last Sabbath, Pastor Devo started our question mark series where we're looking at all these questions Jesus asks in the Gospel of Mark. We've seen Jesus ask some difficult questions about the questions in our hearts when the paralyzed man was healed last Sabbath. But now Jesus assumes the posture of a teacher. Now today when we think about teachers, we think you stand up to teach, but in Jesus' day you sat down to teach. And so now in Mark chapter four, we're at a lake and the crowds have come. There's so many people that Jesus gets out into a boat and he sits down to teach. Mark tells us that Jesus in this teaching moment tells lots of stories. And he summarizes his teaching that day by highlighting one of those stories. Mark chapter four and verse three, Jesus starts by saying, listen, listen to this. A farmer went out to scatter seed. Now there's nothing remarkable about the story that Jesus tells. The farmer throws the seed out on whatever ground the farmer has available. Some grows, some doesn't, based on whatever soil it lands. The listeners would have seen this done many times. In fact, most of the listeners probably would have done this themselves. 
And so we can imagine them saying, yes, and Jesus, what is your point? Why don't you tell us what you want us to know? After most of the crowd has left for that day, some stick around to ask Jesus about his storytelling. He tells them that the secret of God's kingdom has been given to them. But to those on the outside, everything is stories, everything is parables. Then he says again in verse 12, this is so that they can look and see but have no insight. They can hear but not understand. Otherwise, they might turn their lives around and be forgiven. Now here Jesus is quoting from the prophet Isaiah when Isaiah is called by God and God tells him that he's, his ministry, he's preaching in order for this to happen. And I don't quite understand, we don't quite understand why Jesus are you quoting Isaiah here and why are you saying that uh, it sounds like really you're trying to hide something from the people. Jesus, don't you want the crowd to understand, to turn? Don't you want the crowd to be forgiven? Isn't that the whole point? Why does God's kingdom have to be so hidden? In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is incredibly secretive. In Mark chapter one and verse 34, it says, he didn't let the demons speak because they recognized him. They said, don't, don't tell them who I am. After healing a man with leprosy, a skin disease, Jesus says in Mark 1 and verse 44, don't say anything to anyone. Now this is odd. If you healed someone, wouldn't you want everyone to know about it? And if you were healed, wouldn't you tell everyone about it? That's exactly what the guy does. Mark 1 verse 45, instead he went out and started talking freely and spreading the news so Jesus wasn't able to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, but people came to him from everywhere. And here is the point of Jesus' secrecy. Jesus' celebrity made it harder for him to do ministry, not easier. He kept telling people not to say anything. Mark 3 and verse 12, it says, he strictly ordered them not to reveal who he was. Mark 5 and verse 43, he gave them strict orders that no one should know what had happened. Mark 7 verse 36, Jesus gave the people strict orders not to tell anyone, but the more he tried to silence them, the more eagerly they shared the news. Eventually, Jesus' celebrity would get him killed. The teaching you see that Jesus is doing in Mark chapter four does not come in a vacuum. It comes after a series of escalating conflict. It's in Mark three, a chapter earlier, that the religious and political leaders finally say, we've gotta to get together, we gotta to figure out how to take this guy out. Mark chapter three. It's in Mark chapter three that Jesus' own family members travel to Capernaum to try to collect him and take him home because they think he's gone out of his mind. Mark chapter three. It's in Mark chapter three that the legal experts accuse him of being, get it, demon-possessed. Have you ever been called demon-possessed? Jesus was. Mark chapter three, and so now we get to Mark chapter four, the teaching of Jesus, and we see that God's kingdom was threatening to the religious and political leaders of the day, and in order to continue his mission, Jesus has to go underground. Jesus tells stories, he says, to conceal the truth. Hmm. 
The word is hidden. Why? The word is hidden so that it can survive and thrive. Jesus tells stories to conceal the truth. Jesus explains, the seed is the word. Sometimes we hear the word and it's taken away before it can even get past our defenses. Sometimes we hear it and we're excited, but as soon as opposition comes or trouble comes, we let it go. Sometimes we hear the word, but worries and wishes for other things drown it out. Sometimes we hear the word, we embrace it, and it grows all sorts of new life in our lives. Jesus tells stories to conceal the truth, to bury it deep in the soil of people's hearts. Because you see, for a seed, burial is never meant to be the end of the story. When I lived with my cousin, Shelly, Rochelle, uh, she, brought, she bought some uh, tomatoes at the market night in Redlands. We were living in Loma Linda. She went to Redlands to the market night. She bought the tomatoes. The farmer said, you should buy this tomato plant. And she said, no, I shouldn't buy this tomato plant. I'm not a good gardener. My cousin is not a good gardener. There's no way we should buy this tomato plant. And the farmer insisted, no, buy this plant. It's indestructible. And so convinced, she bought it and she put it on our step and she thought, well, if we put it right here, it'll get watered with the sprinklers when they come on, uh, so we won't have to worry about it. So we put it there and a few weeks, maybe months later, we looked to check on the plant and it looked pretty dead. So my cousin Shelley took it to the front yard. We, have a little, we had a little yard in front of our house there and there was some area that was kind of uncultivated, just dirt. And so she took the plant and she buried it in the dirt. Six months later, my family was visiting um, and for Christmas and they said, do you know that you have tomatoes growing in your garden? And we thought, what? So we went out there and sure enough, between the weeds and the random things growing in the uncultivated dirt that, that was the front garden, there were tomatoes. We couldn't believe it. The next season, there were more tomatoes. We didn't do anything. They just grew. We had so many tomatoes. We were giving them to the neighbors. We were freezing them. We were making tomato sauce. We had tomatoes growing out of our ears, as it were. There were so many. Because for a seed, burial is never meant to be the end of the story. God, Jesus, tells stories to conceal the truth, to hide it in our hearts, to bury it in our hearts. In fact, a seed, it must be buried, it must be planted, it must be hidden in order for it to be protected long enough to grow. A thousand years before Jesus, another one knew the value of parables. His name was Nathan the prophet. He had to tell King David some pretty hard stuff. God said, go tell King David that he, uh, he, he committed adultery and then he murdered uh, the husband, and guess what? There's gonna be some pretty bad punishments for him because he did all that, and I want you to go tell him that. I can just imagine Nathan sweating. Like, how on earth am I going to tell King David this? The minute it comes out of my mouth, I'm, I'm a goner. That's it. So God gives Nathan this story. And he comes to David and says, hey, there's this rich man, lots of sheep. There's this poor man, and he has this sheep. This one sheep, we'll call her Fluffy. And he loves Fluffy. It says he feeds Fluffy from his very own table. And she sleeps with him at night. And she is the beloved family pet. And the Bible says, Nathan told David, she was like a daughter to him. 
And guess what? When the rich man's guests come out from out of town, he's going to feed them some lamb. And he goes in and takes Fluffy from the poor man. And David, being a shepherd that loves sheep, is furious. He declares a terrible verdict for this man. And then Nathan steps back and looks him in the eye and says, you are that man. <gasps> and David cannot say anything. He's shell-shocked. And Nathan goes into this whole long series of all the things that are going to happen. At the end, David says, yes, I, I've sinned against God. And that never could have happened without that story. The theologian N.T. Wright, he writes this. Jesus wasn't being deliberately difficult for the sake of it. He wasn't. His message was so explosive that this was the only way he could say it. So in Mark chapter 4, when Jesus is trying to think of a good image for God's kingdom, he again talks about a seed. This time, it's a mustard seed. Mark 4:31. when scattered on the ground, it's the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all vegetable plants. It produces such large branches that the birds in the sky are able to nest in its shade. The mustard seed, something so small, produces a plant that is so large and expansive that birds can come to its shade. But that mustard seed must be hidden. It must be buried. It must be planted. And friends, those hidden seasons can feel like they last forever. You're spending time with God, and nothing seems to be happening. You're working so hard, and no one seems to notice at your job. In fact, they're criticizing you instead. You've been preparing yourself for an amazing spouse. You're single, and you feel invisible and overlooked. You're investing in a team, and it doesn't seem like your efforts are going anywhere. You're spending your hours with a family, raising kids, and it doesn't feel like they're getting what you want them to get. It feels like you're just doing dishes all the time. Those hidden seasons can last a long time. They can feel like they last forever. A few years ago, a family in my church in, up in Victorville gave me a beautiful aloe plant. It had large green uh, things, and they, I visited the family. They insisted I take the plant home with, with me. I said, I don't know that that's a good idea. But they insisted. So I said, okay. So I went and I put it on our front porch so that I could get some water from the sprinkler. You know, it's a desert plant, for goodness sake. It doesn't need a lot of water, right? But slowly and surely, that aloe plant started turning darker and not doing as well. And I thought, it probably needs to be repotted. I don't know what to do with this aloe plant, but okay. And eventually, I thought, you know what? This aloe plant, I think it's dead. And in fact, I thought it was so dead that when we had our house tented for termites, any of you have experienced this, um, you, the tent goes over everything, and anything within the vicinity of the tent is going to die, so you're supposed to take it out, make sure there's no animals, all of that. Well, this plant was so dead, I just left it underneath the tent on our front step to be tented with the termites. So this week, okay, I don't know if you can see it. Okay. This week, I noticed... We don't use our front door that often. I noticed there is green growing out of this, um, this aloe plant. If any of you would like to adopt this aloe plant, 
let me know after the service. I think it would do well, and I would love to see pictures of how it's doing. We can do an open adoption. Um, please, if you would like to um, take the aloe, I would, I would love it to be in good hands. New life, the hidden seasons, the dead seasons in your life may seem hopeless. They may seem like it's never gonna change. It's always gonna be like this, but the word is hidden so that it can be revealed. It's hidden. When I was pregnant, I remember how exciting it was to have the first stranger notice. I don't know if any of you's, you have been pregnant and like you went out in public and you know most of the time people don't wanna say anything because they're not sure, right? You have to wait quite a while. You have to be very obviously pregnant before someone said anything, but it's a marker of that moment where you're like something that's very hidden, something that's very private suddenly becomes very public because it cannot be hidden. And when you're pregnant, you have to decide when you're going to tell someone or people, because if you tell them too soon, you may have to come back and share the hard news of a pregnancy loss. And then if you tell them too late, they're gonna be looking at you, asking questions, wondering what's going on, why are, why are they not saying anything? Eventually, you have a bump that's impossible to hide. Today, I'm excited to share with you that Mike and I are expecting baby number three this summer. So I don't know if you can see, see the bump. <laughs> We're very excited. And sharing about the word today, I just couldn't help experiencing that sense that what is hidden is not meant to be hidden forever. It's concealed in order to be revealed. In her book, Short Stories by Jesus, Amy Jill Levine writes, it is a very good thing that the interpretations, if indeed Jesus provided that did, not, did provide them, have not come down to us. The gospel writers in their wisdom left most of the parables as open narratives or stories in order to invite us into engagement with them. Each reader will hear a distinct message and may find that the same parable leaves multiple impressions over time. What is she saying? Well, this parable about the sower and the seed is one of the very few that we get an explanation on from Jesus. One of the very few, and she says this is a good thing because these stories are meant to keep, for us to keep coming back to and keep understanding new things about God's kingdom from them. And so at the risk of shortchanging that process for you in these stories, I wanna share the impressions, three impressions that I've been getting from Jesus' parables in Mark chapter four and how Jesus shares parables. So number one, number one, I'm hearing, stop worrying about things you cannot control. Stop worrying about things you cannot control. Mark 4, verse 26, this is another story in Mark chapter four, another parable. Jesus says, this is what God's kingdom is like. It's as though someone scatters seed on the ground, then sleeps and wakes night and day. The, the seed uh, sprouts and grows. The farmer doesn't know how, the earth produces crops all by itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full head of grain. Whenever the crop is ready, the farmer goes out to cut the grain because it's harvest time. The farmer sows 
the farmer harvests, and in the time between, he doesn't worry a lot about what's happening with the seed. He doesn't know what's happening with seed. He doesn't understand how it grows. He doesn't worry about it. He sleeps at night. I want to encourage all of us to stop worrying about things that we cannot control. You cannot make the seed grow, not in your life, not in the lives of the people around you. Other people's choices are not your responsibility. There are things going in the soil of other people's lives that you know nothing about. In fact, the seed won't germinate if we keep digging it up to see how it's doing. <laughs> Number two, let's trust that everything concealed will be revealed. Trust. Everything concealed will be revealed. Mark 4, verse 21, Jesus said to them, does anyone bring in a lamp in order to put it under a basket or a bed? Shouldn't it be placed on a lampstand? Everything hidden will be revealed, and everything secret will come into the open. The hidden season you may feel like you're in is not going to last forever. What's done in the dark whether good or bad, behind closed doors, will come to light. The small, simple acts of love that you don't think anyone notices will not go hidden forever. The work of the kingdom of God in your life, in our community, in our world, will not go unnoticed forever. Number three, keep asking questions. Jesus models it for us. But in this passage, we see that asking questions is what listening looks like. Jesus starts his storytelling in Mark 4 with the simple word, listen. And then two, two times he repeats, whoever has ears to listen should pay attention. Whoever has ears to listen should pay attention. After the first time Jesus says this in the chapter, it's after that that some stick around to ask the questions. Mark 4, verse 10, when they were alone, the people around Jesus, notice it's not just the 12, the people around Jesus, along with the 12, asked him about the parables. Yes, Mark describes an inner circle, and that's a little uncomfortable for us. But who comprises the inner circle? It's simply made up of those who want to press closer and learn more. The inner circle is made up of the question answers that stay at the, after the end of the event. They are left behind when the crowd has all gone home. It's those who are willing to say, I just don't get it. What are you up to, Jesus? In the parable of the sower, the good soil welcomes the seed and sits with it. Jesus doesn't just address individuals here. We, we're very quick to think about the parable uh, as individuals, our individual soil, how's my soil doing? But Jesus is talking to a community. He says to them, he tells the story to them. And so we can think about as a community, what is our soil like? As a community, are we a space where the word is welcomed and we can sit with it? Are we a space where questions are encouraged, where roots can grow deep, where other priorities aren't allowed to choke out the growing word? Are we a community where we listen and welcome the word and sit with it with all its implications? 
Can we be a supportive space where that asks others questions? What do you need so they don't give up, so we don't give up when the going gets tough? I believe we are that community. So Jesus, why do you tell parables? You're not trying to hide anything from us. In fact, you tell them because you're trying to hide something in us. Mark 4, verse 33, this is Mark's summary of Jesus' teaching style. He says, with many parables, he continued to give them the word as much as they were able to hear it. Did you catch that? A good teacher meets their students where they are. Our educators, from preschool teachers to aides in the classroom to people at the front desk in the office, all of our educators from uh, the youngest to our university professors and staff members, you are among the heroes of this pandemic. And I wanna ask you to stand. Can you stand if you're part of the educational system? Uh, if you're homeschooling your kids, if you are an educator, would you stand where you are? And I just wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you to our educators. Thank you. You are among the heroes of this pandemic. Why? Because you have had to try again and again and again and again in this current surge to meet your students where they are. Now, I'm sure if I were to talk to any of your students and the colleagues, I, I could hear some incredible stories about each one of you. But I'm going to just highlight a few stories that went viral about teachers recently. This is one is from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Professor Nathan Alexander. Nathan Alexander, did you see this picture? So cool, this was before the pandemic. Um, but his student, Wayne Hare, he was on his cell phone during class and the professor said, hey, you're not supposed to be on your cell phone, what are you doing? And Wayne said, uh, I was texting my wife about our five-month-old daughter or something to the effect. And the professor said, hey, if there's an issue with your daughter, bring her to class. And Wayne was like, uh, I'm not sure if he really meant that. And they were okay most of the time with childcare because his wife was staying home with the baby, but then there came a point where there was a conflict, and so he said, well, I, maybe he was serious. So he straps the baby on the front, his backpack on the back. He arrives at the classroom nervous, uh, intimidated. He's never seen, seen another, at least a male, bring their child to class. <laughs> Um, so he comes in and the professor welcomes him with open arms and offers to strap the baby on him while he's lecturing so that Wayne can take notes. Wow. Isn't that an incredible <laughs> meeting, meeting them where they are? He met, the, he met Wayne where they are. Mrs. Klausing, a simple story, a math teacher. So many of you have, have done so many things via Zoom for your students. This math teacher didn't just do her class on Zoom, but they had a tradition, her and the students, that every Friday at the end of the month, they would eat lunch together. And so she continued that tradition via Zoom every Friday, just getting together to eat lunch. Simple. One parent shared how her daughter, Hannah's teacher, Hannah's teacher had noticed that she was not doing well the day before on Zoom. And she noticed that she seemed disconnected. And so the next day she showed up at her house uh, to sit on her driveway to read her some books and to chat with her. And the, the, uh, the post, the mom said, quote, this woman has five kids at home and still she sat in my driveway for an hour to make sure Hannah was okay. 
Y'all? Yeah. Several of you probably saw this one. A sixth grader emailed her math teacher for help. He shows up on her porch and he does the problem where they can see through the screen door. Now these are just some stories that went viral, but many of you educators have hidden stories that will be revealed one day about the ways that you have met people where they are. Friends, Jesus is a good teacher. He's not trying to hide the kingdom from us. He's trying to hide the kingdom in us, a kingdom that cannot be hidden, a kingdom that cannot help but grow, bear fruit, and bring new life. Amen.